Let's pray. Let's get started. God, thank you so much for this space and God, this time that we can be together here on campus, God, and um, just opening up your word. And God, we just pray you speak to us. God, just I know it's that time of the term where um, there can be a lot of anxiousness. Uh, we got a lot on our minds, or maybe we're thinking about going home for Thanksgiving and family uh, dynamics or drama or whatever, God. We just want just to give you this time right now, God. We just want to be all present. God, I just pray you give me the strength to speak tonight. Just bless the words. God, thank you that it's your word, not my words. And uh, God, I just pray we... As we read it, God, that it would just speak to us wherever we're at. You know where each individual here is, with you or following you or not. God, I just pray you'd speak. I love that about your word. So, God, we just declare we love you, and we just thank you for the opportunity to be together. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Real Life. Those that are new, we're glad you're here. I'm Chad. I'm the college pastor, and uh, we're a college group. Uh, just a, a community of students learning to follow Jesus here on campus and learning about him and learning uh, how to share his hope with others. And um, it's hard to believe it's week seven, which is crazy. You know, three more weeks and you guys will be heading home for Christmas break. And hard to think you, you freshmen will be veterans. And, you know, you have a term under your belt. It's hard to think that this, we, some of you, we've only known seven weeks. Uh, it's just crazy how time flies. Um, and so far, this is the oldest I've ever been today. I was thinking about time. Something positive to take from time flying by. I've never been this old before. So, but the cool thing is looking, you know, at 36, you know, it always looks great. 36 always looks great if you're 50. So I'm not 50, but people that are 50 probably still say I'm young. So. I'm not. I could tell that was Hunter's voice. I could just tell. I didn't, have to, I didn't even have to look. I just knew that was Hunter. Good to see you, Hunter. I'm glad you're here. Are the beavers up? I don't know. Okay. Are they up? Oh, okay. No one's got the beaver game? I got my beaver shirt on. They're playing up in the... It's delayed? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. All you guys that follow the beaver basketball, you're going to be all present right now. Um, so, well, anyways, we're going to dive in. Turn to Hebrews 11. Uh, if you need a Bible, Aiden's going to get you a Bible. Hold your hand up. And uh, we'd love to give you a Bible. Hold your hand up for a while. It might take. I, I don't know if Grant can get you some, too. we got extra Bibles back there. Um, we're going to go through a lot of Scripture. There's going to be some slides. There's going to be some that don't have slides and won't be turning. But if you need a, a Bible to keep, too, you can have that. That's, that's a gift. We'd love to give that to you. We love God's Word here. So we've been looking at Hebrews 11, just a series, kind of looking at, uh, you know, we're calling it by faith, um, and just looking at just an inheritance of obedience, or just generations of obedience we're seeing uh, through the study. Uh, and really, the author of Hebrews is addressing a first century crowd, a, a first century people uh, that became believers and then put their faith in Christ. Um, and, you know, they were, you know, they were... They were completely cleansed by the finished work of the cross, but yet they were being tempted to go back to kind of their old ways, the old religious system. Uh, and so we've been seeing that throughout this um, series, you know, there's 17 examples in chapter 11 of different witnesses and people that have gone before us 
uh, that had lived by faith. And so the whole Hebrews 11, the, the final you know couple chapters, but but really Hebrews 11 is just kind of defending like it's all by faith uh, in the book of Hebrews. And so we've seen that through different people like Noah and Abraham. And it was so fun having Rob here last week just to to teach us Abraham. And so we're going to be in verse 20. We got through verse 19 last week. We're going to be in verse 20. Verse 20 of Hebrews. Uh, let's dive in. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau is in regard to their future. Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, when he, his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction concerning the burial of his bones. So we're going to pause there. We're not going to spend a ton of time on these individuals. Uh, we did Abraham the last couple weeks, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph are, are really the patriarchs of the faith. Uh, um, their faith's inspiring. If you have been tracking with us, I hope you've been also reading Genesis. I'd encourage you, if you haven't read the book of Genesis, very first book of the Bible, it's, it's a narrative, it's, so, it's, it's a true story, and it's so fun just to read it, because you see that's our inheritance, that's our heritage. Um, and it's awesome uh, just looking at these mighty men's faith. And these men, you know, what, what's crazy about them is they didn't have complete Bibles like we have today. Um, but their faith... What was crazy is their faith looked beyond death. Like, and that's what we're seeing in the text here. Each of these men, at the end of their life, they were looking beyond their life and, and passing the promise and the blessing that God had to their, to their kin, to their um, kids. And so it's a really powerful text. We're not going to spend a ton of time on but it's cool because they, they were sure. It's back to, back to Hebrews 11, verse 1, back to the very first week we talked about this. These men, these patriarchs, they were sure of what they hoped for and certain of what they did not see. And so we see that um, they, were, they were sure of these things that were to come. Uh, they weren't perfect. Sometimes we can take, you know, Abraham, you know, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and, and we can, like, make them, like, these above-human type people. They weren't perfect. They, weren't, they were far from perfect. They had failures. They were tested, and, and that's what's really encouraging, actually, about reading Genesis, uh, is you see that these men were not perfect, and they were normal people, but yet God had a blessing for them because they chose to follow him. They were devoted to him, and they trusted his word. And so what we want to see there, and I think it's in verse uh, 20, Isaac was Abraham's son, and passed the promises and the blessing of God to Jacob, and you can find that actually in Genesis 27, and then Jacob... He built the nation, really. He had 12 sons. I mean, you kind of, you can build a nation pretty quickly if you have a lot of boys, I guess. I don't know. 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel came from Jacob, and, and he shared uh, the promises with them, and they went on. And then what's crazy, then they mentioned Joseph there in verse 22. And Joseph had crazy faith. I wish we had more time to spend just, like, looking at this guy's story. Uh, and we probably, you know, it's my choice, so I guess we could have more time, so maybe. But, but we're getting to Moses tonight, so. But um, Joseph, like, he had crazy faith. You know, he was mistreated by his family, you know, sold into slavery. And he was completely surrounded by ungodly influences for years, decades. Like, completely surrounded, like, no fellowship. We talk about being in a small group and having fellowship. Like, 
Completely. And he, yet he stayed the course. You know, he didn't lose faith through it all. You know, he knew what he believed and did not use his family drama. He did not use his job or lack thereof or, or his slavery or circumstances to, you know, have an excuse to quit believing. It's so easy in this day and age. And, and I mean, I'm right there with you. Sometimes I get it gets so hard. You're like, why do I even try? Like, the, there's got to be, you know, this is so hard. Um, and, and it's easy for us just to just want to quit. But it's so encouraging to look back at these men. Like, they had, they, they faced just as much, if not more, than what we're facing at times. And they, they were able to continue on in the faith. How encouraging is that? Like, we can continue on like Joseph. You know, and, and I love the story at Genesis 50, the end of his life. He knew... You know, when his brothers, they came, they were kind of afraid at the end um, of him because they had sold him into slavery. And I love what he said. He says he knew that the evil he faced was meant to harm him, but God would use it for good. And so he forgave his brothers for selling him into slavery. And he's like, man, God, God used it for good. I ended up saving a whole nation. Egypt, he ended up being the prince of Egypt and, and saving a whole nation from an incredible drought. Uh, so God used it for good. And Joseph knew what he believed, that God would one day deliver his people. At the very end of verse 22 there, or, or at 22, he just basically makes his kids and the sons of Israel to say, hey, make sure you take my bones out when you guys leave. And what's crazy about this, when he, he dies, it wasn't until 64 years later that Moses was born. You know, and, and, and over like, I think it was like 80 years later that they actually came out of the promise. It was like 150 years after he died, but he was so certain. Again, back to Hebrews 11.1. 1, he was so certain of something he hadn't even seen. He just knew that God had said that they were going to go to the land of Canaan. And so he, he made them promise, take my bones out uh, on your way out. And so it was real to him. So there's much to be discover. We just wanted to look, look at those uh, three or four verses. Just touch down on those uh, with Isaac, jo Jacob, and Joseph. But we're going to focus on Moses. And um, Moses is an incredibly inspiring uh, person in the Bible. Um, and I love uh, tonight when we're looking at his character and his faith. Uh, it's pretty awesome just to study, especially knowing the dark backdrop of what he you know, grew up in and the temptation and the trials and the affliction that God's people uh, were going through. Um, I wanted to point your attention to Deuteronomy 34. If you're taking notes, I'll put it on the slide up there. Um, but Deuteronomy 34, 10 through 12 uh, this is a really cool passage about who Moses was. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all of Israel. So we see... That, um, you know, like, there was no one like Moses. And, and actually, Jews then, and, you know, Moses was, to them, the greatest of all men. And uh, he was uh, not only the greatest of all men, he was a prophet. And it's awesome, because in Numbers, God also communicated directly to Moses and testified. So God not only did the people declare, you know, how, how amazing Moses was, but God declares it in Numbers. Numbers uh, chapter 12, verse 6, God said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there was a prophet among you, 
I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. I love that last statement, just, just awesome statement. He sees the Lord as he is. That's his faith. Like He was all in. You know, and, and what we see from that text in Numbers is Moses has, he, the person we're going to talk about tonight, he had an intimate relationship with God. It wasn't just some, like, ritual he did. He had actually had an intimate relationship with God where actually the Bible says, you know, he saw him face to face. And, and, um, and some people say, you know, like, was it face to face? And, and you know, because John says in chapter 1 of John, no one has seen God and no one can see God because he is so pure and righteous and can stand before that, but but the Bible does say when Moses received the Ten Commandments, he, he caught a glimpse uh, of his backside or of God kind of just coming by, and, and a lot of people think that's an Old Testament revelation of Jesus, because we have in one sense seen God. You know, Jesus became flesh, and He was fully God yet fully man, and so we see that whatever the case is, that when He came down off Mount Sinai, when Moses got the Ten Commandments, He had to have a veil cover His face because He was illuminated. And the people couldn't even look at him because he had been with God. And so the cool thing about learning from Moses is this isn't just a man that just talked the talk. He, he pursued God. He wanted to be face-to-face -face with God. And maybe not necessarily a literal face, but he just wanted to see. He wanted to be the presence of God. And I love the psalmist says it this way. The psalmist says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. And that's such a good word for us is that we're to seek God and we're to seek his face. We want to be intimate and close to him. He's not a God that's far off. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm fighting a little bit of cold from a retreat still. <clears throat> He's not a God that's far, far off. So, incredible man. We're going to spend some time looking at Moses. You know, Moses was Israel's lawgiver. He... he um, is really basically what bases their, you know, their religion. The Jewish religion is all uh, uh, back to Moses. Uh, he was Israel great historian. He was a great historian. Genesis to Deuteronomy was all written by Moses. Um, it's a great study. Um, he was considered Israel's greatest saint. You know, very humble man. The number says there's never been a man as humble as uh, Moses. Uh, he was Israel's uh, deliverer uh, in Exodus. We're going to see that tonight. And so, incredible man, and I just want to take a few moments tonight just to glean from this man's life and just see what we can, uh, you know, learn. Um, you know, there's five consecutive sections here in the next uh, six verses that begin by faith, and they're all about Moses. And so we're going to look at five consecutive sections about faith and, and something we're going to glean from Moses. And so the fir very first one we're going to look at is um, by faith. I can't read my writing. <laughs> preservation. By faith, preservation. So we're going to look at by faith, preservation. Verse 23. By faith. Hebrews 11. Back down there. We're going to go verse by verse. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And so at this time, when... Um, Moses was born in, uh, in Egypt. Uh, all the Hebrew, God, they were being so afflicted, the, the Hebrews were, 
Um, uh, but yet, it was amazing. Like, it's, it's a beautiful text in, in the beginning of Exodus. They were, like, prospering. Yet, the Egyptians were, like, afflicting the people of God, and they were prospering. And they, they were just like, pulling out their hair because they didn't know what to do and how to, like, stop them from prospering. And so what they did is the king made an edict that said every male Hebrew you know, that's born has to be thrown into the Nile to the crocodiles. Like, and that was like a mandate. And so, by faith, Moses' family hides him for three months, which I don't know, many of you probably haven't had kids, but Claire and Caleb, when they were born, uh, I don't know how you could keep them quiet for three months. Uh, but it, that's a miracle in itself. I'm like, how did they keep them quiet so they didn't get found out that they had a new baby? Um, but after three months, apparently, they get, you know, little Mo got noisy. And so they said, you know, they put him in a basket. And, and God's sovereignty, as he floated away in a basket, he, he floated right to uh, Pharaoh's daughter while she was bathing upriver or downriver. Probably couldn't float upriver. Well, never know. But, so anyways, the daughter of Pharaoh found him while bathing, and her servant girl, which was crazy, was Moses' sister, says, hey, do you, you know, need someone to nurse? You know, she wanted to keep him. She thought he was cute. Wanted to keep the baby. Goes, you want to, you need someone to nurse? And, and Pharaoh's daughter's like, yeah, that'd be great. Goes back, gets the Hebrew mom, Moses' mom, and then pays her to raise her own son. So it's an amazing story of, like, God's just providence. Like, she gets paid to raise her own son, and, um, which is just, a, you know, it's a, I, I just, I was cracking up like you guys when I read this. I was like, man, God's miracle, it was such a miraculous provision, you know. And what I, what I thought of when I read that, this preservation that we're reading about, like, you know, what if his parents, you know, gave in to fear right away? You know, you just think, of what, what would have happened? What would have been different if, if they would have just gave in to fear? You know, you know, Moses was preserved by his parents' faith. Uh, their faith, their prayers, their bravery, their creative, you know, their creativity saved him. And some of you grew up in a Christian home, and I really believe you're a fruit of your parents' prayers. You know, you're a fruit. Obviously, like, you're going to, if you've come to real life at any amount of time, you know that, like, it's your own faith. You have to choose to follow Christ. It's your own. Like, there's no grandchildren in the faith, in one sense. Like, it's between you and God. You know, there's only one way to heaven, that's through Christ, and you have to receive him as your Lord and Savior. That's on you, and, and that's, like, the, the one, one thing. But, um, but I believe some of you are here because, of, you know, God moved in your life, and you saw the way your parents lived. And that's our prayer for our kids, is that, um, that man, every night we pray for Caleb and Claire that they would grow up to follow and serve the Lord. That they would give in to all the other noise. That they would live and find their identity in Him. And, um, and that's our prayer for a lot of you guys. Some of you didn't grow up in that background. And, and, but others were praying for you. I believe you're an answer to prayer for... I'm sure someone down the line was praying for you. Um, you know, Or just even... you know, I know the different groups of people here have prayer times where they're just praying for people to come to know you on this campus. And you're an answer to that prayer. And so we've seen this amazing preservation of Moses' life, and I really believe it's by the faith of his parents that God just did a work. And God had a plan. Let's read on. The second thing we're going to see is by faith, identification. By faith, identification. Verse 24. 
By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded a disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was a looking ahead to his reward. And so what we want to understand here is from verse 23 to 24, from his birth till he, he leaves Egypt, it's 40 years. And so it would have been very easy, as I was reading this the last few days, I was just thinking, man, how easy it would have been, you know, Moses is probably about 40 years old, living in Pharaoh's house, you know, he's like the prince of Egypt now, you know, second or third command, maybe, I don't know, but how easy it would have been just to, to just blend in, you know, midlife crisis, <laughs> just stay, stay the course, just do, um, but he knew he had a greater call on his life. He had a different calling. And so he chose to identify with the, with the people of God, which these people at the time were being oppressed. And so it's uh, an amazing kind of picture of, you know, what Jesus did too. You know, Jesus came and, and came and dwelt among us, fully God yet fully man, and came down and lived among us and, and was oppressed. Um, and so it's a very cool picture of, of, in the Old Testament of Jesus. Uh, something to note here in verse um, in these verses, uh, the phrase pleasure of sin, the phrase pleasures of sin in verse um, 25, I wanted to make a note of that, it does not refer to just lust uh, or very bad sin. Um, the phrase actually describes a way of life that today we probably could call, you know, you would call successful. So it's, it's kind of an interesting, you know, like I was saying, like he could have had a really good life, a successful life staying in Egypt. Um, and he probably was even thinking, you know, if I stay, I could use my position for influence. You know, there's a lot of ways he could have justified uh, to stay there. Um, but yeah, it speaks of a successful life, and, and we're talking position, prestige, power, wealth, freedom of problems. But Moses left a successful life because he was living for something greater. Uh, he was living for eternity. And, and what we see here is Moses identified himself with Israel, and really he... He was aligning with Jesus or with God who, who identified with their suffering. Isaiah, um, verse, or Isaiah 63, 9 says it this way. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. You know, Jesus has been since the beginning, and we've been seeing that each week. We've been seeing, you know, in Abraham, there was a promise that the Messiah would come. And from Adam and Eve, there was a promise. And so Jesus has been with, with God's people in the suffering. He's been with his people. And, and, you know, it's such a good reminder, this verse, is that God is not detached. You know, he's not some God that's far off. He's not, you know, an unfeeling observer. Oh, you know, like, poor them, you know, like, or, or just like, I don't care. Um, but, he, you know, he really cares when his people suffer. And he even says in the Bible, he suffers with them when they're afflicted. You know, and we think of it, he sent his son to suffer. And so we see in this verse, Moses endured disgrace. He endured disgrace for the sake of Christ and was looking ahead for his reward. Back to verse 1 of chapter 11. That we're in. 
He was looking ahead. He was assured. The assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So he was looking um, ahead for his reward. And so being sure of our future is what enables us, like Moses, to refuse to be called sons or daughters of Pharaoh. Or or another way of saying that, sons or daughters of, of the world. So knowing our future. And and it's important to note that God's people will have struggles. You're going to have struggles. Life's hard. I was just talking to people the last couple weeks, and and a lot of you are going through a lot of hard stuff. And so there is is struggle on this side of eternity. If you were at um, Fall Retreat, my wife talked about Genesis 3 world. Like after the fall, when sin entered the world, like there is a struggle. Our flesh... This, you know, like sin, and, and there's a struggle, and it's it, and there's a lot of things going around that that God does not like or want, and we live in a fallen world. But I love how Paul says it in Romans eight, eighteen. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I consider that our present suffering, whatever you're going through right now, or whatever you will go through are not compared with the glory that will be revealed. There's going to be a future glory that's going to be revealed. And he also says this, Paul also says this in 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, and, and this verse, I chuckled at this today, because outwardly I'm wasting, I'm, I'm 36, I know I'm not that much older than you. And at my age, my back goes out more than I go out, so it's like... <laughs> My wife and I were talking about that. I mean, we need to go on more dates. Any babysitters in here? So, yeah, joke, sorry. Um, but outwardly, back's wasting away. Body's wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. And read that again. For our light. Not to make light of our our uh, situations, but in the term, in the vastness of eternity, some things that we struggle with are really not that big. And even if they are in the moment, that momentary trouble, we're achieving a greater eternal glory. That's, that's encouraging. That far outweighs them all. This, this eternal glory, it outweighs everything. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I want to pause right here, and I want to just challenge us as Christians, those that have put their faith in Christ. That text, that 2 Corinthians, and even uh, Romans 8 there, we must believe that. And I just want to ask, do you believe that? And if you have trouble believing that, like I was even just praying through that as I was studying the last couple of days. Man, God, do I really believe this? Show me. Show me. Reveal yourself more to me so, so I can move forward. And I just want to challenge you, like, man, if, if you struggle with this passage, read it again and ask God for the capability to believe. And then believe. Walk in that truth. 
You know, write that on your doorpost. Write that, you know, somewhere on your forehead so someone else can read. I don't know how. Whatever makes you remind yourself of that, that verse is powerful. We have an eternal hope. If we're not living for that, what are we living for? Not only, I love that about God. Um, the last few years I've been learning that, man, we have an eternal hope. And we also have a present hope right now that we can live with. You know, salvation is, is more than just, you know, eternity. It's, it's a, a, a quality of life and a quantity of life. When you come to Christ, there's a, a quality of life that right now you can live with a hope that's out of this world. And the quantity of life is it's going to keep living when you're done. You're going to be absent from the body. You'll be present with the Lord. And so let's live with that eternal hope. The third thing we're going to see here, verse 27, by faith separation. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He pre persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So Moses, his preparation came from 40 years of separation from Egypt. So the first section we saw he was born and then there was a 40 years until... Uh, he kind of realized that he needed to leave, and then he went out in the desert, met his wife. That's what you do. That's where you find your wife. <laughs> go out in the desert. Be out there, guys. Um, 40 years. And then he's coming back uh, to, to deliver and do his calling. And so we see this separation. And the author of Hebrews seems to be referencing, again, verse 1. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. And look at this text in verse 27. There's a paradox, you know, a paradox phase here, or phrase. Um, he saw him who is invisible. Just to confirm, you'd like to call Teddy Price? <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you like to call? I have no clue. <laughs> you tell me. <clears throat> My phone just started talking to me. That's weird. <laughs> The government's watching. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> so look back at verse 27. Look at the phrase, the paradoxical phrase, at the end of verse 27. He saw him who is invisible. And, and what we want to understand here is it does not mean he saw God with the naked eye. This is later on. He, he, Moses... We're talking, it's talking about Moses' faith saw what the physical eye could not see. He was certain that he had to leave Egypt. He was certain that he had to, to separate. And he wasn't called to lead yet. He had to go out for 40 years and prepare. And he probably could have just, um, you know, justified, like we said earlier, he could have probably justified being there. But he needed to go separate and then come, come back. God would call him back. Look at the verse 28. We're going to see here, by faith, salvation. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And so, what we want to understand here is Satan had a grip on God's people through Pharaoh. And it was intense. It took ten horrific plagues. Some of you who grew up in the church, you've heard the stories, you saw the felt pictures. I have a little felt picture. I don't know if it's there, of the ten plagues. Um, but this will be the, um, 
So we got the ten plagues uh, that God brought upon Israel. To first turn the water into blood, lots of froggies. I explained that to Claire tonight. That was interesting. Gnats um, <laughs> or lice, swarms of flies, animals got sick, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. And then the last one, uh, the final last one broke Pharaoh because um, it, it hit him the closest. It took his son. And he, let, he finally lets his people, go, or lets God's people go. And the last plague was essentially, you know, would have wiped out every firstborn male of both man and beast. And you can see that in Exodus 12, verse 12. But what's beautiful about this text is that God provided a way of salvation for his people. Because this would have affected Israel, too. Um, and you see this in Exodus 12. It's really a powerful picture, uh, again, of Jesus in the Old Testament. God told his people to mark their door jams with the blood of an innocent lamb. And then God's wrath would pass over the house that was marked by the blood. And that's such a beautiful picture of Jesus. And it also shows that man's salvation is only from God. By faith, like we talked about the last few weeks, by faith, by faith, they took the hyssop branch and wiped it over their door jams, the innocent blood of a lamb. And by faith... They closed the door, and by faith, they believed that God would pass over. His wrath would pass over, and it did. And I think something that I was gleaning from this, and I just want to challenge you. If you're here tonight, the last time I said if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, tonight I want to also challenge those that maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, and you haven't put your faith in Jesus. I just want to challenge you, don't put, don't put it off. God loves you and sent his son as the innocent sacrificial lamb. And his wrath will pass over those that their lives are marked by the blood of Jesus. And only those who put their faith in Jesus can be saved. Um, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. And so, man, if you're here tonight and you haven't put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, Man, I urge you, consider Christ and his love for you. Because the Bible says that, man, when you, you, you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, God sees that sacrifice that Jesus made in you. And so his wrath will pass over you. And you can come before a holy God. And you can have this type of relationship we're seeing Moses had. Because you can come in the presence of a God anywhere on this campus. And you can, you can, you can walk with God. You can talk with God, and you're not fighting against Him. You have peace with Him. So if you're here tonight, I want to just challenge you, man, that, that text is for you. And that text is over 2,000 years before Jesus. And He's pointing to a way that you could have peace with God. And I just want to plead with you, if you haven't come to have peace with God yet, you can do that tonight. And we'll talk about that in a minute more. And the last thing we see by faith, the fifth by faith, is deliverance. Verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And so we see deliverance, God's deliverance here. They were finally, God's people were finally freed. But right when, they were, right when Pharaoh said, okay, get out of here. I can't take it anymore. Then right away, his heart gets hard again, and he runs after them. And he pursues them to the Red Sea. And, and God's people were surrounded by water. And on the other side, the Egyptian army was closing in on them. And the irony 
irony of this verse is, is Moses is not mentioned. And the people in this story actually showed no faith. Let's, let's look at the story really quick in closing. Exodus 14, verse 11. Exodus 14, verse 11. They said to Moses, What is it because there are no great... Was it because there are no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't you say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? I would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians, Egyptians than to die in the desert. So they'd rather be slaves than be delivered people. It's a really crazy Testimony. They hadn't been gone that long, and they're already scared to death and afraid. To, I mean, the whole time, the one thing we didn't take time to go into, like the plagues that God brought to the Egyptians didn't touch the Hebrew people and their families. So those ten plagues that just tormented and just destroyed the infrastructure of the Egyptian, you know, um, power or whatever, if it be, or what be, and um, all of that didn't touch them. And yet they were, they saw all, they saw the high hand of God so powerful and so quickly, they're like, wait, you just brought us out here to die? Like, no faith, no, none. And, and I thought that was just incredible that um, we see that in that text. And it wasn't the faith of the people, though, but it was the faith of one man that brought the deliverance. And I thought that was just one righteous man, like, his faith. Exodus 14 goes on to say in verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Or the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will never. you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And so just this faith that, that Moses had, he's just like, man, God's going to do it. He's already been doing it. Just, you know, chill out. He's going to do it. He's going to take it. And then he just lifts up his hands and the sea parts and they walk through on dry land. And when the Egyptians step into the water, or to the dry land, it collapses. The sea, the sea collapses on them. And we see this great victory, deliverance. And, and where I want to end tonight is this is an incredible truth for us. It kind of where we began, too, talking about one person's faith. And one person's faith can be so authentic or effective that it can elevate a whole people and secure their deliverance. And I just think of our context, or some of you, maybe you come from homes that no one knows, no one knows God, no one has a personal relationship with Jesus, but God has plucked you out, he has saved you. He has given you his son and he's given you his spirit. Now, he's raising you up for his family. For your family. And, and I just think of our context on campus. You know, just be it women and men of faith that are just seeking out for the lives of these people on campus that don't know him. One person's faith can be so authentic and effective that it can elevate a whole people and secure their deliverance. What would it look like if we started walking by faith and really believing the verses we're looking at every week? And really stepping out on this campus and just longing to see people come to know Jesus and, and longing for them to find the hope and the love and the life that you found through Christ. What would it look like if we started living like Moses was one man 
And we're seeing that already. You know, this, this text holds great promise for us. You know, a genuine, authentic faith can elevate families. Coop shared about that last week. You know, his, his, his mom coming to know Christ through just observing and his faith and bringing her, her along to church. What's that look like when we start stepping out of our comfort zones and bringing our families along with us? and Just being authentic. Them just seeing, wow, you're different. Something's different about you. Yeah. If God gets all the glory. He's changed me. You want some of it? I'd love for you to come to church with me. I'd love to bring you to real life. I'd love for you to just read the Bible with you. You know, God's doing a work. He gets the glory. And so, never underestimate the power of real faith. And if you're a Christian here tonight, just want to encourage you. Um, I know it's week seven. We're tired. You know, a couple more weeks. I just want to encourage you to keep going. You know, whatever you're going through, God sees you. He's with you. You know, he's working through you. And you may not see it now, but you'll reap an eternal glory. Stay, stay the course. Let's pray. As we just set things aside, and we just just want to come to the Lord and just humble ourselves, and and maybe you're here tonight and you've put your faith in Christ, and but you're again just thinking, man, I miss I missed the mark, I messed up. You know, Jesus, when when you came to Christ, Jesus has taken your guilt and your shame. And the Bible says we're to confess our sins and our shortcomings. The enemy wants to just, just keep you distracted and keep you feeling unworthy and just like garbage. And if you're here tonight and you've slipped up, man, I just encourage you to confess it to the Lord and confess it to someone else and get back in the game. Start beginning to walk by faith. And even right now, as we're just kind of turning our hearts to God and reflecting on what we, we just looked at in the text... If you're here tonight and maybe you're feeling ashamed for some things you've done and you've confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior already, just confess it. Confess that sin. Turn and go the other direction. And maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're the other person that I talked to earlier. You, you, maybe you've not put your faith in Christ. Maybe you've not surrendered your life to Jesus. And I believe you're not here for an accident. You know, it's not an accident that you're here. I believe you're here for a reason. And I believe you also, it's like, it might even be the first time you've heard this, but, but God sees you and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Sometimes in the church we take that for granted, but maybe you're here tonight and you've never heard that thing. The God in heaven, the God, the creator God, he created you. He knew you were going to be created when he was creating the world. And he knows you, he sees you, he sees your struggle, he sees your fears, he sees your insecurities and your shame, he sees your doubts, and he loves you still. He's crazy about you. And he sent his son to die for you. 
And, and maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. And I just want to give you an opportunity now to do that. You can have a personal relationship with the Creator God. Romans says it this way, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can have peace with God right where you are tonight. I just want to ask if, if that's you, just pray a simple prayer and just mean it. Just pray it and mean it. Lord, I confess that I've sinned and I know my sin separates me from you. But I also know that I can can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. I invite you into my life. I want to turn from my sin. Give me the strength to live for you. Jesus, I confess you are Lord, so be Lord of my life. I surrender all. And if you prayed that prayer and it, it you just, the first time, just prayed, man, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to just ask you to take a, a step. I just want to ask you to lift up your hand, and so I, I just want to pray for you. That is so cool that you've prayed that prayer, that you've made that step, and I just want to pray for you. I see you over there. That's awesome. Anyone else has prayed to receive Jesus for the first time? Rejoice those that prayed that prayer tonight, God, and we just pray that they would follow and serve you. And God, as we come to worship now, we just pray, too, that we can just lay down just our burdens and our shame and just come to you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, with confidence that you're a good God and you're a loving God. And we just surrender, God. I just thank you so much. Just, we give you praise. Thank you.